As you dive into this teaching from High Point Church, we pray that it will help you grow in your faith as you believe in, belong to, and become more like Jesus. If these messages bless you, would you consider giving back in support of this ministry? You can give and learn more about High Point at www.highpoint.church. All right, it has been a summer of blockbuster movies. From Mission Impossible to Indiana Jones... I'll say it, even Barbie. I'm not saying I saw the movie. I'm telling you, I'm not going to see it because those who saw it told me that every man was portrayed as a bumbling idiot. We're not all that bad. So I am boycotting it. But Oppenheimer was a movie about a real person. And this, the father of the atomic bomb, And then the one that kind of was not anticipated and it just was so unexpected to be this huge hit is Voices of Freedom. And this movie was, was incredible. And so it's a story of Tim Ballard, if you haven't seen it. And so what he's doing is he's rescuing. He's a special agent that's rescuing people on his own with a team, rescuing children who are being humanly trafficked. And It's an incredible, and I never do this. I'm not, you know, down on all those other movies, but I don't really recommend movies, but I'm telling you, you gotta see this movie. Why? Because it's a man of personal conviction, and his conviction drove him to do some things that were unheard of, that were uncalled, like nobody would do it. And he not only changed other people's lives, but he's changed him and what he's about and what he continues to do. It's amazing. That's what I want to talk to you about. That's the bullseye for today. I want to talk about life-changing personal convictions. So go ahead and open up your Bible to Psalm 101. Favorite Psalm of mine. I'm so thankful it has eight verses. I've been here many times. It keeps me on course. It's It's kind of like the straight edge of my life that it gives me eight verses with seven life-changing convictions. And it's kind of like the reminder of this is where I want to be. And so we're closing down our series today entitled Summer with the Psalms. Has it been good? I hope you've enjoyed it. For those online, it's just been a great time. I know we've heard some great teaching. And last week, Pastor Craig did an amazing job from Psalm 127. And so that message, just so you understand, it it actually is the foundation of what we're about for our family ministries, for parenting, as we want to, our Limitless Initiative, we want to invest in families. We're going to make that the foundation of teaching for our parents. Like the Summer of the Psalms has just been a good series to walk through the Psalms. I hope you've been reading through them. I can't wait to get to this one. And so spoiler alert. You were handed a communion cup when you came in. We're going to take communion at the end of the message. And so what I want to do is I want to dig out these seven convictions. And these are the ones from my journal. Maybe you have more that you see, but these are the seven that I see. And what I want to do is these are, as we dig this list out together, we're going to ask ourselves, how are we doing? And and if you're like me, these are convictions that you have, but you're kind of not cutting the grade, and that's why we're going to do communion. 
But, but maybe you're like, I don't even know. I, I, I'm not sure if I have these convictions. I don't even know if I'm a Christian. Like, if that's you, I just simply ask as we dig these out to take a look. This is what God wants. This is his desire. And when we're taking communion, use that time to reflect on why is it that these aren't my convictions. So let's get ready for the teaching God's word. We've been doing this in the series. People have been saying they like it. I got a couple emails. Can we always do this? Stand for God's word. Uh, let's get up to our feet. And we want to show respect to, the, to God's word. How many people like that we've been standing for the reason reading God's word? You like that? With that kind of applause, we won't do it next week. <laughs> How many people like it if we were voting now? Okay. There you See, it's not fair because you got your Bibles in your hands, so you can't do it, so I got to maximize that. So let me read from verse 1 of Psalm 101. I will sing of steadfast love and justice to you, O Lord. I will make music. I will ponder the way that is blameless. Oh, when will you come to me? I will walk with integrity of heart within my house. I will not set before my eyes anything that's worthless. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall be far from me. I, I want nothing to do with evil. Whoever slanders his neighbor secretly, I'm going to destroy. Whoever has a haughty look and an arrogant heart, I will not endure. I will look with favor on the faithful in the land that they may dwell with me. He who walks in the way that is blameless, that's the person that shall minister to me. No one who practices deceit shall dwell in my house. No one who utters lies shall continue before my eyes. Morning by morning, I will destroy the wicked in the land, cutting off the evildoers from the city of the Lord. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth that contains the challenging truth, the difficult truth, the, the enduring truth. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. May you speak to us. May you use me, Lord, to communicate what you want. We invite your Holy Spirit now to use your word to ignite our faith that we would be challenged in what we believe and how we live. If you agree with that prayer, simply say amen. amen. You, you may be seated. For the note takers, go ahead, grab that um, note sheet, and we'd like you to take notes so that it's, it's cognitive memory that, that you can remember these things. You can even write these in your Bible. These are some really good convictions. The first one on board is this, I will worship the Lord. And so we know that worship is not just about singing. It's not just about the first 20, 25 minutes of the service where we praise God, how awesome that was. It's, that's not all of worship, but it's interesting here that David, the writer, who knows a thing or two about making music, he says, I will sing. And so we can't discount that singing is an important thing. And so sometimes we minimize singing to the Lord. And so singing is mentioned in the Bible over 400 times from cover to cover. In Exodus, first time in Exodus chapter 15, Moses sings a song of deliverance back to God. In Revelation chapter 5, it's a picture of the 24 elders and they're gathered around the throne and they're singing praise to God, the Lamb. And, and so it's used so much. And in the Psalms, we see the command to sing or the mention of singing more often than anywhere else. And so I will sing. I, I will worship. And so what are we to sing about? Let's take a survey. What do you think? No, hold that thought. 
there's two things in the text. These aren't the only things, but this is why I love the Bible. It's so clear. Make sure you're singing about two things. First, about his steadfast love. And these two English words come from one Hebrew word. It's hesed. The idea is that I will worship God. I will sing of his unfailing love, of his covenantal love that he has for his people. That's the hesed love. That God's never going to leave you nor forsake you. Amen? I'm going to sing about that. And then this is the difficult one. I'm going to sing of his justice. And that's the word misput in its original language. And, and it has to do with justice and fairness and the truth that God's going to settle the score. And it has to do with the fact that what? That I've got to trust in his sovereignty and that he's the one that's going to settle the score. The scripture says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. That means that I'm not going to be able to settle all the injustice in the world. But God, in his timing, on his timetable, he's got it. We live in a world that's filled with, with difficulty, with sin, with unfairness, with inequity. And I'm not saying we're not to stand up and, 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 and go after it, but all I'm saying is that we're to worship him for his unfailing love and his justice, that he will scuttle the score by the end of the time that we've got to trust in him. That's how we worship. That's how we sing. In an uncontrollable world, we have a God who's in control. Do you believe that? Amen. He is. And so this is what we did at the beginning of the series. I'm going to put this up so it's a little test, but not really. This is, this is six what I'm calling secrets to deeper worship. We talked about joyful worship. Some of you, you saw this was in the series. We dug this out of a psalm. And so we want to increase the level of our worship corporately and individually. And so specifically, these were written with corporately that, that I gave us six P words. And again, I'm not going to go through all these, but what I'm saying is because I, I just, we want to increase the level. And so if you've seen these before, I'm just asking how you doing. If, if you've never seen this, then I'm just going to ask, well, how'd you do today? Did, did you make worship a priority? You, yeah, you did. You got here. Let's give yourselves a hand. Thanks for being here today. Awesome, you did great. But, but were you prepared when you sat down? And when you sat down this morning, was your heart, you know, did, did you prepare your heart? Maybe open up God's word, but just settle your soul. And, and, then, and then did you participate? And so today we had, I mean, our, our worship team did an awesome job. We have Tom, who's a guest worship leader. Can we praise God for him? So thankful for him joining us. Bethany was here. This is a value for us. And, and so we want to worship in spirit and truth. And so there's a song, you know, did you, did you lift your hands? Did you engage? Did you clap? And posture and perspective. I got to have the right perspective. It's not about me. It's about God. And, and you know, you say, well, I, I will make music. I will sing David. Like he must've had a good voice. I don't. Well, that's okay. The person next to you knows that you don't, <laughs> but God gave you that verse, whether that person next to you wants to hear it or not. He gave you that voice and he wants to hear it despite the fact that nobody else does. But in all seriousness, that, that, that my preference, and this is a big deal. I, you know, Maybe we didn't so sing the song that you like or haven't sung it in a while. Sometimes we've got to leave our personal preferences aside. And the Psalms talk about singing a new song. And so we want to sing new songs that engage people in worship. And our worship team does an incredible job of picking songs that are theologically rich 
and that can develop and help us enter into a time to meet with God. So how'd you do? How are you doing? Second, what I'm calling life-changing conviction. It has to do with the word, and I will meditate on truth. And if you look at Psalm 101, the first part of verse two says, I will ponder, there's the meditation part, and I love the phrase, the way he phrases it. He says, the way that is blameless. Well, what way is blameless? Well, what, what's here? The Bible is sufficient. The Bible is reliable. The Bible is relevant. The Bible is inerrant. The, the Bible says that it has everything we need for life and godliness. Engage with the spirit as a follower of God that, that this book helps me as a Christian, as a follower of him. Let me give you some statistics. These aren't gonna be good ones. Barna's study recently said this. Only 52% of Christians believe that the Bible is the accurate, reliable word of God. That's only half, five out of 10. Same exact percentage, look at this, it doesn't get any better. Only 52% of Christians claim that determining moral truth is up to each, they think that it's up to each individual. There are no moral absolutes. So we've lost our desire for absolute truth and they say that there are no more absolutes that apply to everyone all the time. That, that's, that's 50% of self-proclaimed Christians. How about this next one? 71% of Christians consider feelings, experience, or the input of friends and family as their most trusted sources of moral guidance. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't trust your friend and everything else, but, but ex without this... That, that, that our feelings are the guide? That our feelings are the GPS for what we think is right and what's good in our life? My truth? Like it, it, 70%, seven out of 10 Christians. I'm just looking at this row. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10. I, no, nothing else, I don't wanna say anything. But, but we can't just be guided by our feelings apart from truth. And so look at this other statistic. Look at a couple more. 58% of, this, this blew me away. 58% of Christians believe a person who is generally good or does good things for others will earn a place in heaven. So that's a work salvation, not grace. For as by grace you've been saved through faith, not as a result of works, so that no one shall boast. And then lastly, 9% of Christians have a, have a biblical worldview. 9%. You see, what, what do these statistics tell us? Well, see, the Bible, this book that we hold in our hands, it, it's supposed to be the filter that filters our dreams and our goals and our desires, and it filters our, our feelings and what we do. But instead, these statistics tell me that, that we're filtering the Bible. Do you get the difference? And we're filtering the truth to what we want, what we desire, what we think is right, what we feel is best. Permission to offend. Okay, granted for this section. The rest of you just don't listen. I, I'm, I'm joking a bit, but have you ever heard what I call, been to some churches that, that they do skyscraper sermon? It's one story upon a story upon a story upon a story. It's all the stories from the pastor and there's no truth. Have you ever been to a, what I call a 411 sermon? 
It's not a 911, it's a 411. That's historical facts and information and this and this word study upon this war study and all these sources and all this thing without application. Hey, we got a conviction around here that, you know what, we need less 411 calls and more 911 calls. Anybody with me? We don't want to leave the application. And then there's, how about this, there's tip of the hat sermons. You know what that is? That's where we just tip our hat to some truth. And the pastor says what he wants to say, and he just attaches a verse or two uh, throughout the message. Am I speaking truth? There's one person who believes me. I'm going to talk to him. How about this last one? There's what I call, I'm not offending anyone, there's what I call vegan sermons. If you're a vegan, all power to you. But their vegan sermon, I mean, God gives us this illustration in the book. I didn't come up with it. Vegan sermons, there's no meat. The meat is the meat of God's word. So what are we doing here? Well, we want to open up God's word. We want to go to a book. We're going to study a book in the New Testament come fall. We got to go to a passage like we're doing right now. We're digging it out. It's called expositional preaching where we're digging out truth. This isn't a tip of the hat. This isn't just a 411 of me trying to give you facts and figures. I'm so thankful we're going to do this series um, starting next week. And what we're going to do is we're going to turn in our Bibles over each week for six weeks. We're going to look at a prayer in the Bible. Some prayers that you may know, some that you don't, in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And so we're not going to just, you know, look at it and jump off and tell story upon story. We're going to dig out the truth to increase our personal prayer life and the prayer life of our church corporately. So normally, if you've been here for a while, I know a lot of people here, you're like, hey, I've been here for a long time. You kind of get the picture sometimes, well, always. In August, we do what we call a vision series kind of set up the year. Hey, this is what we believe. This is what our values are. This is what's going on. This is what we're about as a church. But we felt strongly convicted this year that we're going to do a prayer series. Not that vision isn't important. Please, I'm the vision guy. I want to take the next hill. but, But I'm just sensing in my own life, in the life of our church, with our families, with what we need, that let's, let's have an increased dependency on God. And let's open up each week to some prayers so that we can be fed by God's word. Good idea? Okay, we'll vote right now. Who wants to do that series? Okay, great. The rest of you, you can stay home. I'm just kidding. Third biblical conviction. This is an important one because it has to do with walking and it has to do with I will walk with integrity and in integrity is the fact that my words you know match what I do what I say matches what I do and so we need to walk with integrity and so we don't want to live a duplicitous lifestyle and David says look at this because it, it's it's earth shattering he's like and maybe you felt like this oh when will you come Lord he, he's sensing He's running from things. He's got some issues. We know some things in the Psalms. He, he doesn't sense the presence of God. And so maybe you've been in one of those wilderness experiences. Maybe you ha- are in one now. But he says, where are you, Lord? You're, you're not here. I don't sense your presence. But look at his statement. But I will walk with integrity. He's not going to lose his, his conviction to a lifestyle of integrity. And then I love the phrase. He says, within my house. And so put your thinking caps on for a minute. Is he saying that you don't have to walk with integrity outside your house? No, no, he's not saying that. But why would he say it? Well, 
in my house, it's a simple reference to the fact that with the people who know me the best, with the people who know me, I mean, they know the real me. I got to walk with integrity. And they know me. They understand me. And I don't want to live a lifestyle where I don't do what I say. Question. How do you know if you're living a life of integrity? Again, this is why I love the scriptures. Expositional preaching. 911. We're going to look right the next few verses. I, I see three truths, and I've turned them into three questions in verses two through four. And so let me ask these as we kind of set the standard for what integrity looks like in our lives. Am I gazing at things that are unhealthy, unholy, or have no eternal value? And David says, he says, I'm not going to set before my eyes anything that's worthless. How about the next one? Am I following in the footsteps of those who have fallen away from the faith? And look how David says it. He says, I hate the work of those who fall away. I don't know about you, but my mom said, you're not supposed to say hate. That's what my wife says to our kids. Don't use hate. I dislike. I... No, he chooses hate. It's the strongest. I hate this. Why? I hate the work of those who fall away. I hate the fact that those who have fallen away are leading others astray. And I don't want to be like that. That that's what he's saying. And so are you following in the footsteps of, of those who have fallen away from the faith? And then third question, am I purifying my heart with what God wants instead of what I want? Again, this is the feeling. It's like my thoughts, my desires. It, he says, a perverse heart shall be far from me. I, I don't want anything to do with evil. The scripture says, the prophet Jeremiah says, our hearts are deceitful. And so we can't follow our hearts. The only person that can follow their heart, I've said this before, it's the worst advice you could give. If you're a Disney princess, you can do it. But most of us aren't. So it, like our hearts can mislead us because they're deceitful and they're wicked. And that's why we need the truth. I love Proverbs chapter four. It says to guard our hearts because it's the wellspring of life. So we need to guard our hearts. We need to walk with integrity. I don't know about you, but after those three questions, anybody just ready for communion and just let's cut to the chase right now? I mean, that's how I feel. I mean, because I, we all fumble. Or, yeah, we all fumble. We all fall astray. Next, let's, let's just get some deeper conviction. How about this next one? I will guard my tongue. That's some conviction. And for a verbal person, maybe you're a verbal processor like me, this is a tough one. And so sometimes I speak before I think. Anybody in this section like that just identify with me? Thank you. I forgive you for what you said to me now. But no, I'm serious. Like, like we don't think, and it's so easy. And so let's do this. He talks about slandering, so he's talking about sins with our tongue. He's, he's talking about gossip. He's talking about these things, these things we do. So keep your finger in Psalm 101 and turn to James chapter 3. And so let me just give you some more conviction to prepare you for communion. James chapter 3 is all about the tongue. It says in verse 2, for we all stumble in many ways. Are you there? All of us. 
he or she who does not stumble in what they say is a perfect person, able also to bridle their whole body. Verse 3 says, if we put bits into the mouths of horses that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships. They got these, they're so large and they're driven by such strong winds, but they're guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So he's making the comparison in verse five. So also our tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great is a forest fire set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. Hey, how bad's the tongue? Well, it's set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. Very encouraging message as we come back for July, isn't it? Your mouth can be used of the enemy if we're not careful. He says it's a restless evil full of deadly poison. And here's the duplicity. Look, with it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Lord, forgive us. Forgive me. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. And then he said, my brothers, it shouldn't be this way. Again, ready for communion? <laughs> but some are thinking, well, I don't sin with my tongue. I don't. You may have that problem, but I don't. Well, for you, let's take a look at James chapter 4. Thanks for speaking up. Look at verse 17. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. So for that person who withheld the compliment, that person that the Holy Spirit prompted you to do the right thing or to say the right thing or to act in such a way and you didn't do it, just remind me, what is it? It's not a mulligan. It's not failure. James says it's sin. And, and so we got to be careful with what we do and what we say. Next, life-changing personal convi con conviction. Good stuff so far? Flip in your Bibles back to Psalm 101. I'll speak to this crowd over here. They, they're applauding. Good stuff? It's truth. What we're doing is we're walking down through the Scripture. So get to Psalm 101. We're going to take a look at another verse Verse five, the second part of it, I will remain humble. And so the idea here is that whoever has a haughty look and an arrogant heart, I'm, not, I'm just not gonna endure that. I'm not gonna set myself up with that. I don't wanna be around that, David says. I gotta take it out of my own life. I don't want others to influence me. How many people have heard the phrase, I'm sure, or the saying that you have to eat some humble pie? Everybody heard that? How many people had to do it? You ever had to do it? Well, what exactly are you eating? What is it, apple? Is it cherry? What, what is it? No, it's none of those. Look at this. This is it. This is humble pride. Sometimes we've got to eat our pride. That's the P. Sometimes, you know what we need to do? We need to eat our insecurity. Am I speaking truth? It, it's the I, that it, my insecurity. And, and sometimes we've got to eat our ego, man. We've got to just say, you know what? No. And, and that's the humble pie. Remember when I was in sales and when I was in the business world, we used to have this phrase and it, it, we said you have to eat dirt. And, and so what do I mean by that? It's just like, some, you know, okay, so I was working in sales and, you know, some product got shipped out west and I was there with the customer and so it got shipped out of Worcester, Ohio and I'm sitting there and they didn't get it there on time. This guy's complaining and I didn't look at him and say, yeah, those idiots in Ohio, you know how those Ohio people, they're the morons over there. I wish they would have got it here. I don't know what's wrong with them. I didn't say that. Well, first of all, because I'm from Ohio. <laughs> but no, I, I didn't say it. I just said, I'm sorry. And, and, and that's, let me own that and let me make that right. Sometimes we just got to humble ourselves. 
I, I wonder if it's true for you. I, th- I think sometimes the most humblest people that I've met, they've been the most humbled. Do you know what I mean by that? So humble people have been humble. The depth of the fall is often directly correlated to the rise of humility in a person's life. How great was the fall oftentimes increases. Not always. For some, we're thinking, well, it should have, but it didn't. Maybe it's you, but, but when we fall, it, why is it? Well, the scripture says, he who has been forgiven much loves much. So humility is on the rise, and humility is an attitude that sparks action. It's not only innate in who we are, it's innate, it's what we do. And so I'm th- so thankful for um, our Limitless initiative. And many of you know what I'm talking about. We've been talking about Limitless and we've been able to do some things that we wouldn't now otherwise have done. And one of them is, uh, many are familiar with the ministry we have. It's not just a ministry. We have a church and a prison in Stateville Penitentiary, which is down by our Romeoville location. And so we do a church service. We're getting ready in an hour. We'll do a church service because there's a church and a prison as a result of your faithful giving and generosity. Can we praise God for that? I mean, there's lives that are being impacted. And so we've been there. Craig's been there. We've had some of our pastors teaching there this summer. Pastor Rodney is there each week. And, and I will tell you this. If you go, and many men have gone, you're going to meet some really humble guys because they've been humble. And so what we're doing, I'm so excited for, uh, uh, circle your calendars for prayer. August 19th is a Saturday. And we're gonna go there with our worship team in Stateville. We're gonna blow it out and have this big impact service where we're gonna share the gospel, we're gonna worship, and we're gonna do baptisms which haven't been done in years. Is that amazing? Pastor Ronnie's gonna share the gospel and we're gonna challenge men to embrace the faith. And I'm just telling you, I know that get ready in September, we're gonna, or in August, when we come back, we're gonna have a big, this many people got saved. God, God did this. Why? Because those who often have fallen the most are in a spot where they're low-hanging fruit to, to receive the truth of what God wants. Life-changing convictions. We've got to get through this. Come on, let's get to the next one. Sixth one is this. I've got two more. I will pursue godly relationships. And so this is really important. We've got to, we've got to pursue relationships of people of faith. Not minimizing the people around you that don't have it, but we've got to put ourselves in places and positions. I've always said it like this. I've never, I've never pursued a relationship. Like, I haven't received the relationships that are most helpful to me are the ones that I've pursued. And I need to pursue people who are out ahead of me so that I can go, oh man, that guy, he's this. Uh, That couple, they do this. Like you've got to pursue godly relationships to impact you, that you'd rub shoulders with them and that you would learn and grow. Look how David says it. He says, I will look with favor on the faithful. The faithful is the person who loves God. The faithful is the person who's living according to his word. Hey, I, I will look with favor on the faithful in the land that they may dwell with me. Hey, those are the people I want to hang out with. Not to the exclusion of all others, but I want to hang out with them. And then look how he says it. He who walks in the way that is blameless shall minister to me. Isn't that interesting? Interesting. 
So what's he saying? Hey, if you're not a Christian, you're not walking with the faith, you can't help me. No, he's not saying that. But what he is saying is that there's something special, isn't it true, for someone who's a follower of God, who's praying for you, who's walking alongside of you, who's helping you, and and there's just a special relationship where they can encourage and strengthen you. I'm not saying you don't take a cold cup of water from a stranger. No, but I'm saying as a follower of God, we have an opportunity and the ability to minister to each other like nobody else. We gotta put ourselves in godly relationships. But this is what happens oftentimes when we're trying to do this. Like there's some relationships where some people are pushing us in unhealthy ways. I'm not talking about that. Somebody who's pushing, let me show you what I mean. This is what it looks like. Look at this. Look at her, that smile on her face. Some of us have kids like this. They're ready to push the brother off. Some of you were pushed off by your sister. It's like, it's like she's, she's just laughing and we're not talking about pushing you in an un, unwise way. And then others, what's funny is sometimes people, we, I'm not talking about people who are pulling us either and pulling us against our will. Take a look at this picture. We see that. This is what it is. Look at this dog. He's not going. I'm just guaranteeing. Look at the master. He's not going. Nope, it isn't happening. Nope, it's not happening. I'm not going. I'm not talking about pushing. I'm not talking about push, pulling you against your will. What I am talking about is this, is that we're to walk arm in arm, shoulder to shoulder, side to side, that, that we're to, at times, we got to be back to back, helping and protecting each other as Christian brothers and sisters. And that's why we do groups here. So we use the phrase, Pastor Craig says it, Pastor CJ, our whole team, hey, get out of the row and into the circle. And some of you have been like, oh, I heard that before. I got in a circle, and I got in a circle that was pretty bad. This circle, like, I don't want to be in that circle. If that's you, I'm sorry. Craig messed up. I really apologize for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. But, but isn't it true? Some, it didn't connect. And maybe you're, you, know, you, you took a step forward, and, and, and you took a step with some people, and they didn't reciprocate. You didn't get the call back. Uh, it happens. Maybe it happened here. Maybe it happened at church. Other church. Could, could you just please give us another chance? We're trying to do our best. This fall, we want everybody, we want people to be in relationships that are meaningful and impactful. We want you to be loved and cared for at High Point. And so we got to take a step forward. If you take a step for us, towards us, we want to step to you. And so that also means some people, you know, you're stepping back constantly. I mean, I come up to say hi to you after the service, and you're like. <laughs> I mean, after the closing song, man, what's funny is, if the, okay, let's make fun of the 9 o'clock service because this is 11. Okay, so, uh-oh, I saw somebody from the 9. Just don't listen. So sometimes, because I leave to go preach at Wheaton, and sometimes I'm leaving after I preach, and there's people leaving with me. I'm like, there's a whole end of the service still. <laughs> like, we want to engage in relationships together. And so it's a conviction that you need to have and we want to have as a church too. So the last one is this. We're talking about, um, I'm going to call the worship team up. I'm so thankful to Tom for joining us. Tom's guest leading with us today. And um, Bethany is up on stage too. And uh, our worship team such, does such a great job. Let's just praise God for them. <laughs> Not for the talent that they have, and they have a lot but for their love for God and their desire to create an environment where we can engage with him. And so the last, it's kind of like the common denominator. It's like the end cap. It's I will live for the Lord. 
And so that's the life-changing conviction. And I love how it says it. It says morning by morning. That means it's a daily choice. It's a conscious choice that I've got to live for him. And then look what it says next. I want to tell you what it doesn't say, but what it does. It says, I will destroy all the wicked. This isn't a call. Some are like, yes, vigilantism, I'm in. No, that's not it. But, but what it is saying is that we've got to protect each other. We've got to protect what we have. We've got to protect biblical truth. We've got to fight morning by morning against the enemy of this world. We got to fight morning by morning for our relationships together. We got to fight morning by morning for our kids and for what's going on and, and for truth. That's what it's talking about. And so these are the characteristics. We'll put them up. These are the convictions, life-changing convictions. This is my summary from my journal of Psalm 101. And, and so I don't know, when you look at this list, it, the first thing is I think I, I, I'm not cutting it. Like, I'll be honest enough. Like I, I, I'm, I'm, I feel like this, okay? A little bit more fun here in church today. I feel like this, and we're going to play a video here. Maybe you've seen it. I feel like I'm the lamb, and then my friend or Jesus is the guy rescuing the lamb. Take a look at this. See, the lamb is stuck, so the guy pulls it out. That's me. Jesus has pulled me out of the ditch, and then look what happens. Have you seen this? Look, the same thing. <laughs> Do you see that? Anybody? Can anybody identify with that? Let's just play that one more time. It's like we've successfully pulled you out. Jesus has done his job, and it's like, oh, thank the Lord. I'm so good. for And then, boom, like we're there five seconds later. Boom, we're there. <laughs> Anybody feel like that? Come on, that, that's how we feel. Because that's what we do, and we can laugh enough to say. That's why we do this. And so in a moment, I'm going to ask you to grab a cup, and the bread represents the body that was shed. The blood represents, or excuse me, the, the cup, the juice represents the blood that was shed. And the cup is the body that was broken, the bread. And so I want you to take it at your own pace, at your own speed. A couple cautions. This is for those who are followers of God. And followers of God, we know, we look at these convictions, and the first thing we say is, I can't do it. I've tried and I've failed. And so we can't do it, but God can through you, and he can give you the strength. And, and so you're going to have a time where you can just examine yourself. If you're not a Christian, I'm just going to say, I just want you to be clear. You don't have the power to do this. Don't, you can't muster up the strength and the positive men and attitude to do it. You've got to embrace Jesus and the free work that he has on the cross. And this is the time to say, I want to do these things, but I failed. And if you've never made a commitment to him and confessed your sin, that's what we're doing now. God, I failed you. God, I've sinned against you. I have not walked with integrity. God, I have not remained humble. And, and let this be the time. Let this be the day. Today is the day of salvation. So everyone can partake. Everyone who has embraced the forgiveness that God offers through the cross. So take it at your own time. Do some personal reflection. And join us for worship. Father, move, I pray. Guide us. Lead us.